Welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I'm your host, David Behrman, Chief Content Officer of Pro Football Network, filling in for the Matt Infante, who Adam can't replace him, but I'm going to try alongside Adam H. Beasley, Dolphins beat writer and NFL director for Pro Football Network. Adam, welcome. It's going to be a good week. I'm here to replace Infante, but really, can I do that? Oh, this is so disorienting, man. Like, like Infante and I have our groove. We know each other's uh, habits. We can pick up on each other's cues. I'm flying blind with you, man. I, I, I have no idea you're gonna, you're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk. Hopefully, we talk together and not at the same time. I have set the over under on how many times we talk over each other at about three and a half. Um, very, very big juice towards the over, but you know, I'm the betting guy, so enough about that. We might talk betting later. We're here to talk to Miami Dolphins. You should know that the last time I was on this podcast, by invite of you and Matt, we talked betting, and then the Dolphins went out and threw up a 70-burger on the Broncos. So that is the expectation right now with me hosting this pod. Let's discuss the difference between causation and correlation, shall we? <laughs> uh, very good, very good. Well, here we have the Dolphins 4-1 and one right now uh, with the Carolina Panthers on deck. Uh, let's start with the news that is all over the place this morning. It was rumored late yesterday and then got the info this morning that Devon Achen might be out four to six weeks, depending on what you hear and what you read. What are you hearing right now as, as the lead Dolphins beat writer? Yeah, no. So we kind of got the sense yesterday uh, when we met with McDaniel that something was weird. Like our antenna kind of went up because when a player is minor injury, he tells us minor injury. When a player has a significant concern, uh, he makes jokes. (laughs) And yesterday he was joking Mike McDaniel, but it was not naturally jokey. You could kind of tell that there was something up. Uh, There are some, you know, in the room that thought, oh, maybe he's just trying to have some gamesmanship. And my response to that was like, do you need to play mind games to play the worst, to beat the worst team in the National Football League? And that's who they have this week, the 0-5 Carolina Panthers. Um, Turns out, no, uh, they really were continuing to do their due diligence, uh, finding out MRI, all that, what was going on with uh, HN's knee. Still don't know specifically. Uh, and as we tape this on at 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning, uh, we'll give you all the information we have at the time. We're not uh, psychics. We don't know what Mike McDaniel is going to say tomorrow. Entirely possible he goes on IR. Uh, David, the Dolphins have four more games before their bye. The IR minimum time to miss is four weeks. So entirely possible that uh, HN will have a full five and a half, six weeks to recover from this injury, including the buy. And that's probably what they're looking at. And sort of with the timeline they have with, in my opinion, a uh, Tron Armstead as, as well. Like, like they want to get through uh, the four weeks with, with Armstead. And I think maybe an additional week and then buy him. Uh, and then he'll be back after that. So the Dolphins offense should be back to pretty, you know, pretty much full strength, assuming they don't have any more injuries between now and then. Uh, after the bye, the question is, can they survive the bye? Well, certainly when you play teams like <laughs> the Patriots, uh, who are terrible, uh, the, the, the Panthers, who are unspeakably bad, you don't need Devon A. Chain. Uh, but when you play the likes of the Eagles and then the Chiefs um, in Germany, which is also before the bye, uh, things could get a little dicey. So uh, I think in the short term, they'll be fine. Uh, we can talk in a second about the impact on the offense itself, which I think is going to be relatively negligible. We can discuss that. Um, but the information we have at this moment is not a major, major injury, but certainly not back in two weeks either. So help me out here. I'm not a doctor, not a team doctor. Um, 
I am, you know, we're talking Dolphins here. No hiding the fact that grew up a fan. I, I fell for it yesterday because I thought it was, I, I didn't believe it because I watched the game just like you did and just like everybody watching this pod did. He came back in the game after I saw the play that is has been talked about a lot. In fact, I saw him run off the field with a slight limp and even was about to send you a note in the channel about doing a first-to-market injury report on it. And then I saw him run back in the game. Dolphins up two scores. He played all but one play of the last two drives. Looked fine. Didn't get any injured on those last two drives because the playing question occurred earlier in the fourth quarter. So there was video of him after the game walking around with no problem, talking to giant players. You didn't see anything in the locker room. There was no sign of this other than the fact that he had a slight limp when he ran off. What are we missing here? Was it the adrenaline? Did just the next morning again? I'm not a doctor. I have knee injuries of my own. What was the difference between what happened in the game to allow him to go back in with a two touchdown lead and what we found out yesterday afternoon? Yeah. So uh, a couple of things. One, uh, adrenaline is real. Uh, toughing it out is real, and that's what it sounds like. Uh, HN did. Uh, it's what. Uh, Mike McDaniel mentioned yesterday when I when I asked, "Hey, did, didn't he go back in the game?" Uh, so yeah, there, sometimes you you're at the mercy of how the player feels in the moment and how much the player is willing uh, to tell. That's quite frankly why there's the uh, independent neurologists keeping an eye on guys with concussions because uh, players uh, a lot of players will play through uh, head injuries because they want to be on the field. You need to kind of protect them from themselves. And I'll also say this, David, um, the, the Dolphins tried to trade a tight end in Adam Shaheen that the trade was blown up because he had a torn ACL that no one knew about, right? So there are times that injuries can go undetected uh, and you need closer examination. Perhaps HN came into the facility on Monday and his knee had blown up. It swelled up and there's, you know, it was a different facts on the ground than it was the day before. So, and that's why when people like, oh, he'll be fine, not not HN in particular, but when they see a player with an injury run off the field or walk off the field, oh, he'll be fine. He, he was able to get off the field. I've seen people run off the field with torn ACLs before, right? So really, uh, I, I do think the Twitter docs need to chill a little bit and, and wait for the real docs to take over sometimes. Certainly, I want as much information as possible, uh, but sometimes you really don't know what's going on with the guy until you, you do the imaging. So. Uh, I don't think anyone's to blame here. Um, you got to trust your player that if something's wrong, he's going to tell you. Certainly, I, the, the Dolphins know what they have in Devon. They know how important and, and dynamic he is of a player. They're not going to put him at risk in a two-score game uh, if they had any doubt in their mind that something was up. So, um, you know, I'm, there, there are times that I, I think you can fault, um, you know, teams for putting players at risk. This is not one of them. I, I really think that uh, whatever he's got going on got worse overnight and they had to, they had to address it on Monday. So let's talk about this Dolphins offense. You know, they're first in everything first in, in yards per game, pass yards per game, rush yards per game, points per game across the board, not only tops in the NFL, but best in NFL history through five weeks, as you informed Mike McDaniel after the game in the presser, that they even beat the, uh, the greatest show on turf, the 99 Rams, with most scrimmage yards through five games. What kind of impact does it have missing a guy like Achan, where there's, you know, Jeff Wilson might be back, Raheem Mostert has played, you, you have all the speed across the board. What is missing him from the offense? How does that impact? Yes, you got the Carolina Panthers on deck, which we'll talk about in a little bit. 
not too worried there. You do go to Philadelphia in two weeks. So missing guy who I'm not sure anybody realized what they had until a couple of weeks ago. What does that do to this offense? Yeah, certainly uh, it makes them a little slower, right? I mean, they we'll, we'll see what Chase, Clay, Chase Claypool, easy for me to say, Chase Claypool could give them because he is another 4-4 guy, and he also does that with a, with a much bigger frame than, than the speed guys the Dolphins currently have. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not overly concerned about the speed. I think they'll still have plenty. Um, and here's the thing, David, is that he, didn't, he was a healthy scratch in the opener. Right. He, d- he didn't play. He wasn't hurt. He just didn't play because the Dolphins didn't have him in their game plan. And they still scored 360 points and gained 520 some odd yards. Right. Uh, so it's not like this is this offense is totally reliant on one guy. Obviously, his 12 yards per carry is it would shatter NFL records, not just break. I mean, shatter. I looked it up today and the record for yards per carry for any player uh, held by Michael Vick, I think, in 2006, and that was eight and change, I believe. Uh, in the Super Bowl area, the most yards per carry uh, from a running back uh, is Mercury Morris, another Miami Dolphins running back, who I believe he averaged 6.4. So Achan is averaging almost double what the, the modern era record is for yards per carry uh, from a running back. There will be regression to the mean, no matter how healthy and fast he is when he comes back. There's no way that he's going to be able to sustain that um, he has been great. He's been exciting. Certainly fantasy managers love the dude, but come on, let's be realistic. He's not going to be that for the rest of the season. Um, I will say this, you know, certainly he, the, the dolphins have been their most efficient running the ball when he's got the ball in his hands by far. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm not a huge EPA per play guy, but I think it's instructive. Um, their EPA per play when he's on the field rushing, is out of sight. It's like 0.58, which for those who understand the numbers is just absolutely nuts. Uh, but when he's actually off the field, the passing offense is spectacular and is markedly better than when he's on the field. And because passing is more valuable than running, they're actually a more efficient offense. They've been to this point in the season when he has been on the field. Now don't take this to mean that he's not an important piece of their offense. I just think the argument we should make is, and the understanding we should have is, um, the sky is not falling by any stretch of the imagination. And they're going to get back Jeff Wilson likely this week. We might see the debut of Chase Claypool this week. Um, Let's not forget about Raheem Mostert, who is another dynamic back that they have, who, so long as he can stay healthy, can do a lot of the things HN can. So um, the Dolphins were very wise to build a deep and talented offense because you know you have injuries throughout the course of the season. And my understanding is they'll be ready for this. Uh, we'll see maybe see the return of Stavon Ahmed, who's been phased out as A-Chan has, has had the step forward. They've got plenty of weapons. They've got plenty of backs. Uh, and it's a good thing that they kept five on their first roster. So we've talked about the offense, obviously losing A-Chan. It, it is, is obviously not great, but like you said, they're deep. They got players, you know, Mostert had 65 yards, six and a half yards per carry and a touchdown. Both have been active in the passing game. Mostert catching two balls last week, HN one. Uh, let's let's talk about the Giants game in general. It was a 31 to 16 game. The score a little bit closer than it actually felt like with the Tua pick six, um, as well as the Tua interception on their own side of the field that led to a field goal. So in reality, the Dolphins defense only allowed two field goals in terms of longer drives than just the pick six that shouldn't count against them and the short field field goal. 
What did you take out of that game overall watching the Dolphins? It wasn't the most inspiring performance, but for those, you know, waiting for another 70 burger to be up there, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, they did score at ease in the first half. It's 31-16 final against a really bad Giants team. What were your key takeaways that you took being at that game and following it afterwards? It's amazing how quickly we've gotten spoiled because yep. 500 some odd yard, 30 some points, um, n- another 300 yard day from the quarterback, I believe. And we're like, eh, eh, it was okay. <laughs> we're, we are. And it's great because the standard has, has risen here and, and it's been so low for so long that it is a bit jarring, but it's ab- absolutely right. Like you, they did what they needed to do. And, and to me, David, the most encouraging thing I, I saw were the seven sacks and 14 quarterback hits that they had. They knocked Daniel Jones from the game. Now it sounds like Jones is going to be okay, might even play uh, this week in that barn burner of a Sunday night football matchup, the Bills and the Giants, which the entire nation is waiting on the edge of their seat to watch. Um, but no, they the, the, Dolphins, the Dolphins went against an offensive line that was down three and then I think ultimately four starters and they beat the living snot out of them. Like they, you know, they did exactly what you wanted uh, a pass rush that has that kind of talent, even without Jalen Phillips, by the way, uh, you know, Zach Sealer, who, who we don't talk about a ton on the show. We should talk about more uh, was spectacular. I think he had two sacks, three tackles for loss and three quarterback hits. Um, you know, Christian Wilkins was disruptive. Uh, Bradley Chubb didn't have, and he hasn't had the sack numbers, unfortunately, but he, he was, very much a factor in that game. And then Andrew Van Ginkle, who is wildly underrated and maybe not even underrated at this point for Dolphins fans, but nationally, he's their best pass rusher so far through five games in 2023. And, you know, my guess is once Phillips comes back, and I would be surprised if he doesn't play this week after missing the last two with an oblique injury. But when Phillips comes back, we'll see who the the top dog is. But, um, I mean, he's been – He's been excellent, absolutely excellent. So I, I think you're going to see more and more of him on the field when they're at full strength and less and less of Jerome Baker uh, and David Long. I, I think he is he's, he has the flexibility to play both inside and outside, uh, and he just has a nose for the football. He's a really, really solid player, and this, Dolph- this Dolphins defense would be in a world of hurt if they haven't had him through the first five weeks. So you look at the first four games of the season, the defense was talked about as being the weak spot, uh, not stopping many people, not stopping anybody in the Buffalo game. The defense, even with Vic, you know, Vic Fangio out there, was not what we expected. The numbers did show going into the Giants game that the more the Dolphins blitz, the better they do. And that proved to be the case on Sunday versus the Giants as the blitz numbers were as high as they were all season. And they ended up with seven sacks and pretty much shutting down the Giants who only had 268 yards did not score an offensive touchdown. Do you think the team turned the corner on defense or are we blinded by the fact that they're playing arguably one of the worst offenses in the history of football? Uh, I was there the previous Monday to watch them at home lose to Seattle. And then you saw the performance against the Dolphins. They've had one touchdown in the first half all season. And it was that pick six from Tua. Have they turned the corner or is it the fact that they played the Giants and have the Panthers on deck? Can both be true? I mean, look, uh, we'll get, we, we we can get into the Panthers game in a second, and they just gave up 42 to the Lions. I thought the Panthers' defense was supposed to be pretty decent. That was supposed to be the strength right now of that, of that team, but we can get into that in a sec. Um, but to me, it would have been an enormous blaring red siren if they didn't have the kind of game that they had. Uh, now, 
like they put it on tape. We know they can do it. And and quite frankly, David, I don't think their pass rush has been terrible in the aggregate this season. Certainly having seven sacks in one game is going to make any stat line look fantastic. But now they've got 17 sacks in, in five games, which, you know, that'll put you on track for 50 plus. That's a good season, right? That's a good season of, of pass rush. And they've had 40 quarterback hits. And so, you know, coverage is a major, major concern of mine. And it will be a concern of mine until Jalen Ramsey comes back. Um, but, but, you know, they're starting to do what they're supposed to do. And again, like the offense, they're so diversified in talent that it doesn't, you don't have to rely on Bradley Chubb having 20 sacks in a season for your, for your defense to work. You got uh, you can come from a bunch of different angles, and I think you're absolutely right. The more they blitz, the better they are. Now, certainly, you don't want to be reckless like Josh Boyer was last year and play a bunch of zero coverages, but um, they 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 had shown that they struggle to get pressure with their front four. And Vic Fangio was saw the same tape and the same stats that that we did, and he's been making adjustments. So, um, you know, being able to have that kind of pass rush and look. The Giants weren't going to run the football very well without Saquon. They might have even run the ball poorly with Saquon on the field, considering how bad that offensive line was. But they did what they needed to do, and they're starting to build a little bit of confidence. And they're going to start getting healthier as the as the weeks go on. David, they've got Nick Needham, who you know, again, we're recording this at eleven o'clock on on Tuesday morning. He is not yet on the fifty three. He might be by the time you all listen to this. It sounds like he's trending in that direction. Uh, I don't expect to see 65 snaps out of him this this weekend against the Panthers. But if they can start to slowly ease him back in, he's a full year now from that Achilles tear, and that is the normal timeline. Maybe you can put him on the field and take the Justin Bethels of the the world off the field. That makes you, on balance, a better defense. So uh, trending in the right direction. Hopefully now they can finally get a little bit healthier on that side of the ball uh, and have some consistency because – you know, the, the Eagles and the Chiefs down the road uh, are going to do things that the Giants cannot. So the good news, you mentioned the, the rush defense, which had been a sore spot all season long. No Saquon Barkley, but they still held the Giants under 100 yards rushing. Nobody had more than 25 yards. Uh, Matt Brady was held in check. Bad news, you mentioned the pass coverage. Darren Waller had his wake-up game, uh, had been largely insignificant the entire season. Eight catches for 86 yards seem to throw to him every single time. The spot that's bothering me, and I know you and I talked about this on air, and I'm, I'm going to tee you up here. Where's the where, where's the forced turnovers? Where the Dolphins being minus three in the NFL in turnovers, yet four and one, not forcing him, not getting interceptions, not getting fumbles. What do you see as the problem out there, and, and, and where is this compared to other teams in the NFL in their turnover differential? Yeah, I mean they're really, really bad when it comes to that, and they and they know they're bad. You you think and go you go back and think about um, the really good Dolphins defenses we've seen in recent years, and certainly the the Brian Flores years. They were get pressure and force quarterbacks to throw up bad passes and let your dynamic playmakers in the defensive backfield come up with those turnovers. Right, that's what I mean. Xavier Howard led the league, and I believe set the Dolphins franchise record in picks because of that very dynamic. Now it's kind of strange, David, because they are getting pressure, but sometimes the pressure isn't particularly effective. Quarterbacks step up and still able to make the throws. Um, sometimes the DBs are so far away from the player that they're supposed to cover that it's irrelevant because the quarterback still is able to, to, to make the throw. I, I do think that Cater Kohu, uh, 
is not what he they're using him as. Like he should not be a starting quarterback right now in the National Football League, and they didn't want him to be. They wanted him to be their slot corner. Uh, and and Ramsey and uh, well play in the boundary obviously when Ramsey when when they went the nickel but Ramsey is their number two or one one a with with Xavier Howard depending on on how you you look at it but the personnel issues have definitely hurt them uh, but they're just not really getting opportunities either and I don't I'd like to go and look up the advanced stats and I you know apologize for not coming prepared but I'd love to see. Um, how many interceptable balls they've had? It's not like they've dropped a bunch of picks. Like, do you have you have you had that recollection that they've they've dropped like five six interceptions? No, I mean, because for the for, for the most part, the receivers have been wide open all over the field this season. So there hasn't been many balls where I thought, oh, that should have been a pick. Might have been one or two. Uh, but no, this is not a team that's dropping opportunities. Quite frankly, they're just not covering people, as we saw in the Buffalo game. And we saw a little bit with Darren Waller. He was really the only one that was getting open. And with with a, with an offense as bad as the Giants, they're, they're going to need to dink and dunk, and they were hitting their tight end. That's what they do. That's what they try to do when you can't have more than 1.5 seconds to throw the ball. But no, I have not seen many interceptable balls that they've dropped. Yeah, so in five games, they're minus three in, in turnovers, which is ninth worse. And here are the teams behind him. You ready, David? I'm ready. The Vikings, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Browns, the Commanders, the Giants, the Bears, the Panthers. How many of those teams are going to the playoffs? None. None are going to sniff the playoffs. Maybe, Lucky if the, maybe the, the Browns. May, maybe, maybe the Browns. Maybe the Browns. Yeah. So really, if it wasn't for Mike McDaniel's offense being the most prolific through five games and National Football League history, at least from a yardage standpoint, they would be a one and four, two and three football team because that's what those numbers tell you they should be. So I think we should appreciate how great of a job Tua Tagovailoa has done, how great of a job Mike Daniel has done, how great of a job Chris Greer did to put together an offense that can overcome this kind of issue. But let's be frank, they played five games and one of those five games has been against a team currently with a winning record. And that one was against the Buffalo Bills and they got boat raced. So you cannot continue this formula against the elite teams of the National Football League and expect to win. You can beat up on the dregs and there are some bad teams on their schedule this year. And they're going to probably go 12 and 5, 13 and 4, even with a negative turnover ratio, simply because they're that much better than the teams on their schedule. But you get into the playoffs, you're going to lose. Like, I, the, 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 the playoff record for teams with, you know, negative turnover ratio is astronomical. Like you can survive bad teams and do it. You cannot survive the chiefs of the world, even the Bengals of the world who seem to be coming on a little bit. Um, the, the bills of the world, all, all the, even the Jaguars, like you play that kind of game against Jacksonville, you're going to lose. So, and I think they understand that. I, I asked Christian Wilkins on Monday about it. Like what is the missing element? And he said, we've got to make it happen. It's something we emphasize in practice and try to focus on. We have the right mindset when it comes to it. We do emphasize it. We got to continue to practice it, and eventually it'll happen. We'll see. It better. And you mentioned the lack of getting takeaways on defense. The offense gave the ball away as well. Two picks by Tua, one fumble by Achan. Mostart has lost the ball each of the last couple of weeks. As we close the door on this Giants game and move forward to previewing the Panthers game, two picks by Tua. Not very good throws. In fact, probably the worst throws he's had all year. He's not going to be perfect every single game. He still threw for 308 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and he's still among the leaders in the MVP race. Do those two interceptions give you any pause for concern of 
what some people might say the old Tua, the pre-Mike McDaniel Tua, who every once in a while, whether he's trying to force something or throw the ball away, sometimes makes, call would you say, not good decisions. He had those two bad picks. Chalk it up to it's just bad throws, or do we have a problem here? The pick in the inner zone is completely inexcusable. There were two, three, maybe even four guys in the area. He he basically dropped back and, and decided where he was going to throw the bo- football before his eyes could catch up with his arm, right? I mean, that's essentially what happened. Uh, deserved that pick six. Um, and and, and that's, that was the difference between the Dolphins winning by whatever they won by, 15, 16 points and 25, 26 points, right? Because that was a 10-point swing. At worst, you're getting a field goal there. So, um, yeah, completely inexcusable. The other one, I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch it closely. Someone said his hand might have been, like, hit on a helmet or there, there may have been something that impeded that throw. Certainly. I mean, air mail and waddle by 20 feet or whatever it was, was jarring to see the result. Uh, I'm not going to crush him so much on that one. Um, but the, 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 the picks in the end zone, he has every single game, he has a knucklehead throw and he's been able to get away with it a lot because on aggregate, that offense is so good. But again, you give a pick six up to the chiefs, you're going to lose the game. You give a punt return for a touchdown to the Chiefs, you're going to lose a game. They they score in non-offensive ways. These elite offenses, the Bills, the Chiefs, they're going to beat you because you're just not going to be able, particularly with how the defense has played through five weeks, you're not going to be able to get enough stops the rest of the game to win the game unless you're perfect on offense. Unless, you know, aside from that pick six, you score in your other seven, eight possessions, which is not out of the realm of possibility for this team, but it's also not particularly likely. No, and what I thought was great, and it's not something we've seen in the past, and, and, and Coach McDaniel has talked about this with Tua, is instead of it letting it simmer and, and annoy him and affect the rest of his game, he just turns around. Like, after the pick six, Dolphins drove right down the field and, and got a field goal and only a field goal because time ran out. So they responded well. Same thing with the next interception. After the next interception, they went right down the field and scored as well. So they they rebound fast. They have the weapons to do it. Uh, end of the day, they, they, they got out of there with another win, 4-1 and one on the season, one of the better starts the Dolphins have had. You do make a point that who have they beaten? Uh, the, the Chargers are a 500 team that probably will be on the fringe of the playoffs, if not in the playoffs. But other than that, New England, Denver, and the Giants. Not sure anybody saw this home schedule being as weak as it is with the first three games being Denver, New York, and then now Carolina. What do you expect in this game? Uh, some people would say it's it's a look-ahead spot because you got Philadelphia the following Sunday, the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. But look-ahead or not, this is a very, very bad Carolina Panthers team. What do you expect to see this week with Miami versus Carolina? A lot of what you saw in Miami versus New York. I think those are – the Giants and the Panthers might be the two worst teams in football and throw the Broncos in there, maybe even the Patriots. There are some bad football teams out there. Um, the Panthers might be the worst. I mean, their their offense, they, it's not often that coaches go one and done, particularly after having the number one pick in the draft, particularly the coach having the pedigree of Frank Reich. But, you know, Tepper is kind of a wild card. He's kind of a loose cannon as the, the, the owner of the Panthers. Um, there is certainly some heat on that team. And we'll see how they respond. Uh, but they're absolutely talent deficient on offense. I mean, they have nobody who can separate. Um, it's Thielen is a shell of his former self. And even I think he's their leading receiver. 
I mean, it's it's a really, really bad offense all the way through. Um, did they draft the wrong quarterback? Perhaps. We're seeing, obviously, what C.J. Stroud is doing in Houston. They're in every single game, right? Uh, if if David, if, if I were the owner of an NFL franchise, A, I probably wouldn't work for PFN because I'd be worth $17 billion. Uh, <laughs> but if I were, uh, side I would hire... Yeah, this is yeah. This would be how I fill my days. So I'm out on the golf course all day. Um, if I if I were an owner of NFL franchise, the very first thing I would do would be to call the Shanahan family and say, "Who's the hot new coach? Right? Who, who who's the one that's from your tree that's that 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 you like the most? And we're going to give him fifteen million dollars a year to come be our coach because uh, you know you look at the Houston's of the world. Obviously, the turnaround they've had in Miami. Um, the Rams, for goodness sake, is that a good team? No, but they're, you know, they're, they're a solid football team. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them make the playoffs. That tree just bears fruit wherever it goes. Uh, and, and I don't know why the Panthers didn't, didn't go to that. Well, um, Frank, Wright, There's a reason he got fired in Indianapolis. There's a reason they're 0 and 5 right now. And, and Caroline, again, it's early, but the, uh, there are questions, obviously, in Charlotte as to who actually made the pick of, of, of Bryce Young. Was it the coaching staff? Was it the GM, Scott Fritter? Or was it the, the owner who said, you know what? This is who we're going to get. And if it was an owner call, he's going to regret that decision because right now it looks like Bryce Young uh, is at best the number two quarterback in that class. Yeah, teams get very, very wide-eyed when it comes to quarterbacks in the first round of the NFL draft. We've seen numerous occasions, like almost every year now, where teams are trading up, giving up a lot of assets to get the number one pick. And, and all I can say is if you do that, you better not miss. We've seen it in Chicago multiple <laughs> times with Mitchell Trubisky and Justin Fields. We've seen it um, in other cases, and now we're seeing it with the Panthers where you're going to give up an all-pro wide receiver. And you're going to give up next year's number one pick and more. You got to get the right quarterback. So they may have basically committed basically the, the NFL crime of all crimes, malpractice, by giving up your number one for next year, by giving up your star receiver and choosing the wrong quarterback. So the verdict is out. Maybe it's the offense. Maybe it's the coaching. We don't know. But C.J. Stroud definitely seems head and shoulders ahead of Bryce Young right now. Um, it was obviously a big debate the entire lead up to the draft that should, which one it should be and Anthony Richardson being in the mix there that Indianapolis got at four. You wonder they gave up those assets. They don't have a first round pick next year. That's like the death knell in the NFL, which Chicago has been going through since the Mitchell Trubisky trade up. Kansas city hit when they traded, they didn't go all the way to one, but they traded up and got their guy. Not to, to, to go into a tangent of NFL drafts, Oh, tangent away, tangent away, my friend. <laughs> I mean, you gave up DJ Moore, and now all you hear out of Carolina every single week are the NFL aggregators saying the Panthers are looking for a number one receiver. You, you you just traded one. Now we don't know what went on behind the scenes. We don't know if DJ Moore wanted out, whatever it was. You gave up your number one receiver to get a quarterback that's not as good as you thought, and now you're looking for a receiver. So they're in a hot mess right now. Um, you know, people people are going to be asking, do the Panthers have a chance? It's a 14 point underdog. It's the national football league. Everybody has a chance in every game. I gave you the stat a few days ago. It's the first time since the Dan Marino days that the dolphins have been a double digit favor in back-to-back games. Is there any path that you see where this doesn't work out in the dolphins favor next week versus the Panthers? Tua gets hurt. 
Yeah, I, don't I mean, that's just like seriously, <laughs> barring something like that happening, there's the there's they're, they're going to win this game and they're going to win it going away. The Panthers are terrible. Uh, I'm curious, since you're our uh, betting guru of this podcast, what do you got this week? What do you what do you like? Oh, we're going to go to the betting. Yeah, I mean, the betting pod's not till Thursday, so I have time there. As far as this game's concerned, um, I'm not a big fan of laying double digits. And uh, I hesitated in laying the double digits last week against the Giants, even seeing the Giants the week before. It, it's just not a profitable strategy to lay double digits. That being said, depending on where the number ends up, there are ways to play it with alt lines and or um, teasers, which again, I'm not a fan of teasers, but the Dolphins last week at 12 and a half fell into that situation where you could move it through two key numbers, but that's for a whole nother show. If forced to choose this game, I would lay the 14 before taking the 14, but it is the National Football League. Double digit dogs cover more times than they don't. Um, even last week, as much as the Dolphins dominated New York, the Giants had a shot at the end. They drove to the Dolphins 15 yard line, had a chance to score and would have covered the spread had they done so. So it's not that hard to cover 12, 14 points in the NFL, especially in games where I'm not saying the Dolphins will take the foot off the gas, but let's say the Dolphins do get up by 17, 20 points in the fourth quarter. You don't want to get people injured. Like, you know, Achon got injured in the fourth quarter last week. You got the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night, which we'll get to in a second. The following week, it's not, especially with the way the Dolphins defense is covering teams. The Giants went right down the field in consecutive drives last week when the game was out of hand. That's the danger of laying 14 points. The Dolphins could be up 17. The game could be completely out of out of reach, and Carolina could score a touchdown late, and we know the term backdoor cover, you'll lose the bet. So I tend to not lay the 14. Um, you shouldn't take any money line bet. It's way too many, too much to lay. Uh, but if forced in a pool, I would, I would lay the fourteen with Miami because they also have that explosive offense that can score fourteen without a blame. The beginning of that Giants game looked like it was going to be seventy to seventy to twenty again. The way that game started, a pick six, turnover late. All of a sudden, you only win by fifteen, and we say only fifteen. One more Giants score, and the spread is covered. All right, so we both are in agreement that the Dolphins are going to win, and they're going to probably win pretty handily on Sunday. Uh, I have nowhere near that conviction the following week, and we just before we get going, real real quick, uh, we probably won't have you on next week. So, your thoughts uh, on what might be the game of the year for the Dolphins? I mean, probably the Bills Week 18 at home will be the game of the year because that might be for the AFC East, but uh, it is certainly their most challenging. A uh, road game, I would say, uh, of the year, going up to the defending NFC champs. Uh, they obviously play the Chiefs in Germany. That's that's a neutral site game. Um, what do you think? Like uh, initial thoughts. We're not going to hold you to this. Just off the top of your head, Dolphins Eagles. It's going to be a tough one, no doubt. Uh, it might be the toughest game on their schedule because the way the Eagles are set up, they're a run first team, a quarterback that can scramble, a couple of running backs that are really, really good and swift and gain well. And then, of course, all pro receiver out there um, and A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith on the other side. So they have an explosive offense that the Dolphins haven't shown they can stop one. They had absolutely nothing to stop in the Buffalo game. Um, they still allowed Denver to score some. Uh, the, the, the Chargers went up and down the field. So that Dolphin defense that we saw against the Giants is going to need to step up for them to have a chance in Philadelphia because I still think the Dolphins can score. They're going to score on anybody in the league. They still scored 20 points against the Bills and probably would have been more if they were able to keep their offense going without being down four touchdowns. 
Um, I, I think it's going to be a much more competitive game than you saw against Buffalo. But to be honest, Adam, I haven't been – throw the record out the window. They're 5-0, and and they deserve to be 5-0. and I have not been overly impressed with the Eagles this season. Granted, they've won all five games. That's all you can ask for. Uh, they're still one of the top three teams in football with the Niners and potentially the Dolphins. But it's not like they – I mean, Patriots game came down to the last play. Vikings game was a six-point win. They, they blew out the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are not as good as people thought they were. Had the rally versus the Commanders to win in overtime. And the Rams game was a one-score game until late. So, again, getting the job done as good teams good teams win, great teams do even better cover, but they haven't been. Not been impressed with the Eagles, but this also might be the best game, the biggest game the Eagles play all year because if the Cowboys don't get their act together, the division's already wrapped up. The number one seed will come down to when they play San Francisco in December. So this is probably the most important game of the season outside that San Francisco game. So they're going to be up for it. Toe-to-toe, I think this is going to be a very good game. Probably two of the top three most talented teams in the league. Give the edge to Philadelphia being at home on Sunday night with an offense that scares me with the Dolphins' defense. That being said, if the Dolphins can match them touchdown for touchdown, it's going to be one hell of a game. That was good. I got nothing to add. I'll agree with every point. <laughs> it should be fun. Uh, we're going to get going, man. We've uh, we run a little bit long, but I enjoy talking to you as always. I think you yep. have some uh, housekeeping to take care of, don't I you? I do. I do. Remember, this is the Miami Dolphins uh, podcast, Pro Football Network, David Behrman, Adam Beasley. You can get all of our Dolphins content in one place at profootballnetwork.com backslash Miami hyphen Dolphins. Don't forget the hyphen, Miami hyphen Dolphins. If you haven't already, subscribe to the pod on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and like. I know Matt and Fonte would love more people to subscribe and like. I'm just pinch hitting for him. I'm the reliever out of the bullpen. Hopefully better than your your Philadelphia Phillies reliever last night. Had, had to throw that in there. You know, fall, fall Philly Beasley was not happy last night. Um, but also go to, go to profootballnetwork.com, Miami hyphen Dolphins to get all of the stuff that Adam writes every single day, covers the team, goes to practice, goes to the games, all the inside information and, he was the reporter who asked the question to Mike McDaniel as to whether he should be happy that the Dolphins have the most scrimmage yards in NFL history through five games. And, and, and uh, your, your coach had fun with that one, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my 15 minutes of fame, my, the crowning moment of my journalism career. So that's a wrap here. Once again, Dolphins 4-1 and one going to home this week to, to face the Carolina Panthers before facing Philadelphia the week after. Uh, Adam and Matt will be back next week, hopefully to talk about the 5-1 Miami Dolphins and preview that Philadelphia game. So for Adam Beasley, I'm David Behrman. Thank you for listening.